team for, for leading us here this morning. And thank you to Amy. Uh, you're incredibly gifted and talented. You know, my wife and I were out for a walk the other day, and we were walking down the sidewalk, and we could see another couple coming our way. And as they were coming our way, we suddenly realized that we were going to pass each other. And so immediately that couple crossed the street and went over to the sidewalk on the other side of the road. And my wife and I kind of thought to ourselves, well, wasn't that sweet of them? They saw us coming and they moved to the other side of the road. And then I got thinking about it later. That's not supposed to be this way. Uh, when someone comes, you're supposed to greet them, welcome them, maybe stand and talk for a few minutes, not be grateful that they run to the other side of the street for you. But this is kind of the season we're in. We're in a season where things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Uh, even this weekend, Easter weekend, no doubt you typically maybe would be traveling to spend time with family. You've got some traditions that you're not able to carry out together as a family because of we're all uh, doing our very best to socially uh, isolate and make sure that we're following all the best protocols possible. Uh, so that means that your weekend is, is really different this year. Uh, this weekend is different for us as a congregation as well. Last year this time, we had 900 people in this building in about a four-hour period. The Watoto Children's Choir was on the stage. The place was hopping. There was people everywhere. The foyer was so slammed you couldn't get through it. The parking lot was full. And this year, you know, I could have darts here today and be throwing them out into the seating and wouldn't hit a soul. I'd have to work really hard to hit the people in the sound booth, but they probably wouldn't appreciate that. But it just doesn't seem right. You know, the very first Easter was kind of the same way because when Jesus was resurrected, there was nobody there to greet him. Think about that for a second. The, the greatest event in human history, and nobody was there to share in it with Jesus. When Jesus was resurrected, he, re, he was resurrected to a crowd of absolutely zero. Now, if we were to plan the resurrection and if we could kind of go over and do it again, no doubt we would bring in stadium seating, we would have food trucks, we would have a media wall all present, uh, there would be people selling t-shirts, because the resurrection is actually the very foundation of the Christian faith. If Jesus hadn't been resurrected, there would be no Christianity. And Jesus just would have been a great kind of spiritual teacher who ticked off the wrong people and paid the ultimate price for it. But that's not the way it was. So where was everybody? When Jesus was resurrected, where were his followers? Where were his friends? Well, let me read for you today a passage from John chapter 20, starting at verse 19 through to 22. John chapter 20, starting at verse 19 through to verse 22. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews or the religious authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So as Jesus is resurrected, the disciples are not there to, to celebrate with him or to share in this moment. In fact, they are holding up in, in a home, doors locked, and they're afraid for their very lives. They're fearful and they're scared. 
Now, when you and I think of Easter, we don't typically think of the emotion of fear. We think of colored eggs, we think of candy, we think of kind of joyous celebrations, um, but fear was actually part of that very first Easter Sunday. Can you imagine trying to find a way to make fear a part of your Easter tradition? You know, you could kind of uh, come down and say, hey, kids, you know, uh, daddy's going to scare you and you have to run upstairs to your room and be afraid. That probably wouldn't work. But fear was exactly what was going on in the lives of these people when Jesus is first resurrected. You know, it's funny to me as you read the scriptures and when you read them in a certain season, certain things stand out to you that you hadn't seen before. And I have to admit that as I was going through this passage in preparation, I was surprised uh, to discover that people are hiding and that they're fearful as part of this Easter story. And it probably shouldn't come as a surprise to me today why it was that these verses and these words and these images kind of stand out. Because that's kind of the season many of us are in. We're holed up in our homes and we're experiencing a range of emotions that really we aren't used to experiencing. And it's an important part of the Easter story because it's an important part of our story today as well. Let's be honest, as, as a group, as a nation, we aren't really used to living with kind of this level of fear and uncertainty. And especially if you're a, a North American by birth, um, there's two truths that are kind of we're feeling right now that we're not used to feeling. And the first of this is that we're really not in control of our lives as much as we'd like to think. And the second is, is that we aren't immortal. You know, we aren't in control of our lives as much as we would like to think. We like to think of ourselves as masters of our own destiny. You know, if it wasn't for me, the earth would probably crash right into the sun. At least that's my perspective as a pastor. But it's not true. And we're all kind of in this season right now of discovering that we really have a lot less control over our circumstances and over our lives than we'd like to think. We're also in the season where we're realizing that life is way more fragile than we ever thought it was. And, you know, we here in North America have a really unhealthy relationship with death. I mean, let's be honest. No one really ever dies. They pass away. They, they pass on. And they just go to a better place. But in this season right now, we're discovering that life is much more fragile than we'd like to admit. And this is kind of the situation that Jesus finds his disciples in. They're holed up in a way, and they're afraid. They're worried for their very well-being. And as Jesus appears to them that first Easter, the very first words out of his mouth are peace. Now, if you've lived, and then you've died, and then you've been risen again, and then you just kind of appear in a room filled with people, peace is probably a really good first word to say to those people. But this was Jesus' prayer. It was his heart for them as he came and found them in this circumstance. He wanted them to have peace. And by peace, I don't mean I hope everything works out or I hope you get your way and all of your circumstances are exactly what you want. Because that version of peace is actually really thin and it's really weak. We need a peace that can be with us no matter the circumstances. And that's what Jesus came to offer these first disciples. That no matter where you are, that no matter the state of your faith or your level of belief, no matter how fearful you are for your own well-being, Jesus comes and he stands among them and he offers them his peace and his peace because that he is present there with them. And on this Easter Sunday, 
What if Jesus was to come and stand in your presence and just reassure you of his desire to give you peace today as well? Now, it wasn't all smooth sailing. These first disciples did not just believe wholeheartedly right away that Jesus had been resurrected. They had their doubts. In fact, in verse 20, it says that Jesus shows the disciples his hands and his side. Now, this was not guys just kind of showing off their scars to each other. Uh, This was Jesus reassuring them because they had all kinds of thoughts going through their mind in this moment, and one of them was doubt. In fact, if you keep reading on in this passage in John chapter 20, you're going to find that Jesus leaves these guys and he goes looking for Thomas, one of the disciples who's struggling most with doubt, and reassures him. But these first disciples needed some kind of proof, some kind of reassurance that Jesus had actually been resurrected. And maybe on this Easter Sunday, you're watching and you're thinking, does really everybody kind of believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead? Well, let me just speak to that for a second. You know, Jesus gives us proof. There's proof that we can put our faith on. Believing that Jesus was resurrected requires faith, but not throw yourself off a cliff and hope it all works out kind of faith. Jesus offers us faith based on three kind of uh, things of evidence that I would share with you that I've wrestled with in my own life. The first is simply this, the eyewitness accounts. Uh, There are multiple eyewitness accounts of seeing Jesus alive, seeing him killed, and then seeing him resurrected again. The one that means the most to me is that of the commitment of the disciples. Uh, When Jesus was resurrected, these disciples that we're reading about today, they go out into the world and they start telling the story to everybody, and most of them were killed for their faith. They were tortured, they were given opportunities to recount what they were saying, but they would not. And they died for the belief in the story of the resurrection of Jesus. They, gained, they did not gain from it financially. They did not gain from it in any political kind of sense. Their families were ashamed of this message that they were telling people again and again. And yet they continued to proclaim with great boldness this truth that they believed that they had seen. Which raises the question, why would anybody die for something that they knew was not true? The third piece of evidence for me is just the supernatural impact of faith in a risen Christ in the lives of people. And as a pastor and as a Christian myself, I've just seen again and again multiple people who put their faith in Jesus and they experience a a resurrection or a transformation in their own life uh, that leaves us asking questions, how is it that that can happen? How is it that this message of this poor Jewish rabbi continues to change lives, continues to change communities, continues to change history uh, throughout the years. Even atheist Sam Harris said this, he could not understand how this one man in the backwaters of the world with an upside down message had reshaped cultures through the centuries. This is the resurrection story. And maybe today you're kind of like those disciples and you need a little help believing as well. Maybe you've got some questions or some doubts, that's fine. Jesus would say to you and I would say to you as well, Keep searching, keep knocking, and keep asking. Because what I love about this story is Jesus helps them find faith. Now, so Jesus is standing there with his disciples, and what he does next may seem a little bit odd to you and I, but it's really important to this story. And he does this. It says that he breathes on them. Now, if you breathe on somebody today, you're probably going to go to jail. Uh, let's just be honest. So don't, don't go home or don't go out in public and, and try to do this. 
but to the Jewish audience, two images came to mind as soon as Jesus did this. One is from the, the creation story. In the creation story, it paints this picture of God the creator holding this lifeless human being and he takes his mouth and he places it on the nose of this first human and he breathes into him his life. The life of the creator gets imparted into his creation and Adam comes to life. It's this beautiful picture of God giving us life. The second image is found in an Old Testament book of Ezekiel, one of the prophets. And in this, in this book, there's this picture of this giant um, kind of wasteland, dry and lifeless. And scattered throughout it are human skeletons. When suddenly this wind comes and blows across the land and the, the dust kicks up, and suddenly tendons and muscles and flesh start to attach themselves to these skeletons, and a whole people rise up alive and full of life. You see, throughout Scripture, God's breath means bringing people back to life. And on that Easter Sunday, Jesus wasn't the only one who was resurrected. When Jesus comes, he resurrects these disciples who are discouraged and fearful and afraid and locked up in a room. And when he breathes on them, he's saying, I'm not the only one who's being resurrected today. Maybe today I'll invite the worship team to come back up at this time. Jesus says to these disciples, look, you're afraid now, but you're gonna go from here and you're gonna become kind of the leadership group who are gonna lead a movement that will change world history. He says, you're grieving now, but you're gonna go on from here and the lives that you live are gonna be so compelling because you're full of hope and you're full of joy. The people are gonna see the way you live and they're going to wanna know what's at the heart of it. He says to them, you know, you might be doubting now, but your faith is gonna get talked about, it's gonna get preached about, for thousands of years to come. These people hiding and scared had struggled to think that Jesus could come back to life, but they had never imagined that in this moment they would come back to life too, that something would go on deep inside of their souls and they would discover a brand new life. This passage is the story of a resurrection, yes, Jesus's, but it's also the story of our resurrection as well. And what if on Easter Sunday 2020, when we're not doing anything that we expected we'd be doing, when we're not able to carry out our traditions, we're not able to be with family, and we're not able to be with our church family, what if Jesus would come and step into our lives today and breathe new life into us? Maybe your faith has taken a beating over these last few weeks. Maybe you're searching and you're questioning. Maybe you've been struggling with fear and uncertainty. Easter is about God bringing new life. And what if Jesus were to pick you up and to breathe new life into you today? Would you be open to saying, look, God, I kind of thought I was in control of things, but I realize I have so little control over my life. I'm willing to place my life in your hands and give you control. Would you be willing to say today, look, God, you know, I have made my own choices and I've done my own thing and I really, I'm carrying around a lot of regrets and, you know, I'm kind of spiritually dead on the inside, but would you breathe new life into me today? And maybe you would just say, look, God, you know, I just feel discouraged. I feel disappointed. I feel a little fearful today. I really don't have much to offer you at all, 
but I take my life and I place it in your hands. Would you breathe new life into me? I'm gonna close our time in prayer here this morning, and I'm gonna be asking that today you would experience a resurrection too. Let me pray for us. God, I just love about this story that you went looking for the disciples. They should have been waiting for you. They should have had the band ready. They should have had the fireworks cued. But instead, they were off. They were far away. And you went looking for them. And God, you've come looking for us today as well. No matter where we are, no matter the emotions or the circumstances we find ourselves in, and you come and you stand in front of us bringing peace, breathing new life, helping us as we wrestle with our doubts. And God, today I pray that you would give us the courage just to welcome you and to let that new life take hold in our souls. And God, maybe for some of us today, it would be the very first time that we would ever really commit our trust to you. May that be our story of resurrection today. And maybe today we come with crippling fears and concerns and just feeling overwhelmed by all that's going on in our world. And you come and you breathe words of peace to us. And we experience a resurrection of hope. And maybe, God, today we bring you our doubts. And you breathe into us and we experience a resurrection of faith. We give you thanks that today is the day of Jesus being resurrected. But it's your hope that we would experience one too. We pray this in Christ's name.